Good morning. Travel nightmare. Southwest Airlines cancels nearly 2,000 flights over the long holiday weekend. Passengers stranded from coast to coast. Unbelievable. The airline blaming weather and air traffic control problems, but this morning the question whether the airline's vaccine mandate caused pilots to stay home, what the pilots union is saying just ahead. Breaking news, the COVID pill. This morning, Merck asked the FDA for emergency approval of its drug to treat the virus. Research showing it slashed the risk of severe infection by half. Just ahead, could a pill be the shot in the arm to finally end this pandemic? Selling secrets, a nuclear engineer for the U.S. Navy accused of trying to pass classified information to a foreign country, even placing a computer card inside a half-eaten peanut butter sandwich. Straight ahead, the arrest, the fallout in a quiet Virginia neighborhood. It's pretty incredible. It's like uh, out of a movie. And why the alleged spy's wife also stands accused. Storm alert, tornadoes rip through the Midwest overnight, damaging homes and knocking out power. That's crazy. The threat of more severe weather now shifting east will have your full forecast. Those stories plus breaking overnight, British police suddenly dropped their investigation into sex assault claims against Prince Andrew. What that could mean for the case here in the U.S. And Buffalo gets revenge. And Allen takes it into the end zone. The Bills blast the Chiefs after Kansas City kept them out of last year's Super Bowl. Fires it wide open, is knocked. And star quarterback Josh Allen's making a big statement today, Monday, October 11th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to today. So nice to have you with us on a Monday morning, and it's a really special Monday it sure morning. Is. Okay, it's a holiday for a lot of people. It also happens to be International Day of the Girl. Hi, guys. We're outside. We're going to start this day. We're going to mark it in a big way. Yeah, we have some amazing <laughs> girls and women this morning with us, and we're putting the final touches on the plaza. Hundreds of girls joining us for a morning of inspiration and empowerment, and this year we are putting our focus on one group in particular, the girls and women of Afghanistan who now face, of course, an even more uncertain future. Indeed. We will introduce you to young women who recently fled the country. We'll also talk to two women working hard to support the girls of Afghanistan, former First Lady Laura Bush and Nobel Peace Prize recipient Malala Yousafzai. And of course, we're going to have some fun surprises planned as well. So we're happy you guys came to visit us. Thank you. We've got a really special morning just ahead. Let's mm -hmm. get to our top story, though, and it's that holiday weekend travel fiasco for Southwest Airlines had to cancel nearly 2,000 flights, leaving even more passengers frustrated and in some cases stranded at the airport. NBC's Sam Brock joins us from Miami International Airport with the latest on this. Hi, Sam. Good morning. Savannah, good morning. Certainly not very good timing. Southwest canceling more than 1,800 flights over the weekend, then FlightAware this morning listing more than 300 cancellations. The company, Savannah, is blaming severe weather in Florida on Friday and air traffic control problems, but other companies dealt with the same conditions and fared a lot better. A weekend of turbulence for Southwest Airlines. Unbelievable. You know, people are frustrated, aggravated. From San Francisco. We haven't been able to talk anyone. It's just been a delay. 
to Denver, where impossibly long lines stretched through the airport, even New York's LaGuardia. They told us there was no flight crew. Nationwide, thousands of passengers stranded and desperate to find a flight. Southwest forced to pull the plug on close to 2,000 flights during a holiday weekend, characterizing it as a curveball that compounded. The company said, We experienced weather challenges in our Florida airports at the beginning of the weekend. Challenges made worse by unexpected air traffic control issues in the same region, triggering delays and prompting significant cancellations. The FAA quick to fire right back on Twitter. No FAA air traffic staffing shortages have been reported since Friday. Industry experts believe Southwest has some bigger picture problems. Over the summer, the airline also faced widespread delays due to staffing shortages and network issues. What's going on is Southwest scheduled too many flights. They are struggling with pilot recruitment. Um, they have a very complicated route network. Customers like Louis Means, who went to Florida for his son's engagement and then had to drive nine hours back to Houston, want answers. We called customer service and we went ahead. I said, well, let's just go ahead and keep the phone on. After six hours, we finally took it off. You were on with customer service for six hours. Six hours. Andrew Sprogue and his family forced to sleep overnight in the Honolulu airport, waiting on a connecting flight to Maui for their family vacation. You could see up and down the screens just canceled, canceled, canceled. American Airlines, by comparison, with a major hub in Miami, canceled 66 mainline flights Saturday. American, Delta, Frontier, JetBlue, and Spirit all have sizable operations in Florida. Uh, none of them are reporting any cancellations or many cancellations. Sources familiar with this situation say that things are improving exponentially by the hour, that it should be close to normal by today and normal, guys, by tomorrow. As for rampant speculation online right now that Southwest pilots were calling out sick because of a mandatory COVID vaccine policy, the pilots' union says that is absolutely not the case. Savannah, back to you. All right, Sam Brock in Miami. Hope it's a better day for passengers. Now to that breaking news in the COVID fight. Merck now requesting emergency youth authorization for its pill to treat COVID. And this comes as some hospitals struggle against the virus. But overall, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are pointing in the right direction nationwide. NBC's Kathy Park joins us from Boston, where another positive sign is playing out. The Boston Marathon returning for the first time in 30 months. Hey, Kath, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning to you. That's right. The Boston Marathon is back and in person with more than 18,000 runners coming from around the world. And obviously because of COVID, things are looking a little different this year. There'll be staggered start times for social distancing. And as you mentioned this morning, another major step forward for Merck, the drug maker, announcing that it has applied for emergency use authorization for its antiviral pill. This morning, a potential breakthrough in treating COVID. Drug maker Merck says it's now applying for emergency use authorization of its new antiviral drug. Trials show the pill taken when symptoms begin cuts the risk of hospitalization and death in half. This, as a country's racing at back to normal, takes off in Boston. Woo! Let's go! Marathon runners lining up for the first time since 2019 under strict new COVID protocols. The number of racers reduced by nearly 40%, each required to be vaccinated or show a negative test. Their starts staggered to improve social distancing. It's really exciting. Nobody's ever done this before. Similar protocols in place at the Chicago Marathon Sunday, where more than 33,000 runners raced toward the finish line. 
But with cases still rising in states across the plains where temperatures are falling and more people are congregating inside, experts fear a new wave of flu infections leading to a possible twindemic this winter. Because less people are getting flu shots and more people are out and about, we could see a winter surge of both COVID-19 and the influenza virus creating even more strain on the healthcare system. Also fueling fears, growing resistance to vaccine mandates, including some in law enforcement. Police unions in Seattle and Tucson bristling at their shot requirements. And in Los Angeles, a sheriff is flat out ignoring a county order to vaccinate his force. There are entire groups of employees that are willing to be fired and laid off rather than get vaccinated. So I don't want to be in a position to lose 5, 10% of my workforce overnight. And while the pandemic starts to loosen its grip, another sobering reminder here in the U.S., 1,700 people die every day from COVID. And back here at the Boston Marathon, in addition to the 18,000 runners, another 29,000 runners will be running this race virtually. Hoda? Oh, virtual. Okay. All right, Kathy. Kathy, thank you. And now to the legal back and forth over that controversial abortion law in the state of Texas. It was temporarily halted by a federal judge, but now it has been reinstated as a federal appeals court considers it. The twists are leaving many patients and doctors confused and concerned. NBC's Morgan Chesky is in Dallas this morning with the details. Morgan, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. That law once again back into effect. That means about a half dozen clinics here in Texas that had temporarily resumed services have yet again stopped. In the meantime, the Justice Department now has until tomorrow to respond to a federal appeals court to a law it's calling unconstitutional. After a brief pause this morning, a highly restrictive abortion measure is once again the law of the land in Texas. A federal appeals court reinstating that measure late Friday, temporarily halted just two days prior after the Justice Department sued Texas, arguing the state's law violates the Constitution. The DOJ now has until tomorrow to respond. We'll have to wait and see what the full appellate court decides, but we are optimistic that this victory signals that they uh, may be favorable in that ruling. That law, SB 8, bans most abortions as early as six weeks before many women know they're pregnant. It provides no exceptions for rape or incest and allows citizens to sue anyone involved with providing abortion services after six weeks. It is meant to intimidate, to threaten, to, to make us afraid of providing the abortion care that people need. Since taking effect last month, clinics in neighboring states have seen an uptick in women traveling from Texas for abortion services. The law also prompting nationwide protests with marches from Austin to Washington. And already in Florida, a bill that mirrors the Texas law has been introduced, with GOP lawmakers in other states considering similar measures. The ultimate fate of the Texas law likely lies with the nation's highest court, which previously refused to block the law from taking effect without ruling on its constitutionality. But we are suffering in Texas, and the Supreme Court must do its job now. And later this year, the U.S. Supreme Court will take on a case that will be a direct challenge to the landmark decision of Roe v. Wade when it hears arguments in December over a Mississippi law banning most abortions at 15 weeks. Savannah. All right, Morgan, thank you. Turning now to Washington, where the stakes remain high for President Biden as he tries to get his signature economic agenda through Congress. Some in his own party protesting its massive price tag. The president also facing outside attacks as well from the man he replaced in the White House. NBC senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson's there with the latest for us. Hey, Hallie, good morning. 
Hey, Hoda, good morning. Facing down a self-imposed end-of-the-month deadline, Democrats are working out what to keep or what to cut in that climate and social spending bill as they look to move President Biden's agenda forward. Negotiations intensifying this morning over just how big the bill, packed with the president's priorities, should be. The ultimate price will be around $2 trillion, but it's the policies that really matter, and as a caucus, we agree on those. But not everyone agrees on the details. Moderate Senator Joe Manchin, for example, wants any new family and health spending to be aimed at only the lowest-income Americans. Progressives say that's not enough. It's really important for us to remember that the price tag comes out of what we want to do. A $2 trillion bill, down from a proposed $3.5 trillion, would mean major cuts to the 10 years' worth of climate and social programs included in it, signature policies President Biden campaigned and won on. These are all important programs, and they're going to be hard choices uh, to negotiate in the coming weeks. As Democrats work to further the president's agenda, Republicans hammering it. Hello, Iowan! including former President Trump in Iowa. Joe Biden and the radical left have brought our nation to the brink of ruin. Not so subtly, hinting at a 2024 bid. Make America great again, again, I don't know. A new poll shows only 44% of all Republicans nationwide want him to run again next cycle, as Mr. Trump continues to cling to his lie that the election was stolen, even though it was not. Never conceded. No reason to concede. His grip on his party, still powerful, demonstrated by one top Republican leader dodging a straight-out answer to this straightforward question. You think the election was so stolen? I, I, stolen? What I said is there are states that didn't follow their legislatively set rules. I understand you think there were irregularities and things that need to be fixed. Do you think the election was stolen? Yeah. And it's not just irregularities. It's states that did not follow the laws set, which the Constitution says they're supposed to follow. Of course, there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney responding to that moment, tweeting, millions of Americans have been sold a fraud that the election was stolen. She says Republicans have a duty to tell the American people that this is not true. Hoda, back All to right. you. Hallie Jackson there at the Hill. Hallie, thank you. Lots more to get to, including a good morning to Craig. What are you following this hey, morning? Savannah, Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well with well, this one. This one is stunning and alarming. A nuclear engineer for the U.S. Navy and his wife arrested on espionage-related charges. NBC's Stephanie Gosk has been following it over the weekend. Mm. Steph, good morning. Good morning, guys. Federal court documents in this case were just unsealed. The Justice Department claiming Jonathan Tebby, a naval engineer from Maryland, was trying to sell top-secret information to a foreign power, but he was actually talking with an undercover FBI agent. This morning, secrets allegedly leaked from within the U.S. Navy. A Navy nuclear engineer and his wife charged with attempting to share top-secret information about some of America's most important national security technology. A criminal complaint unsealed Sunday alleges that Jonathan Tebby, who began working with the Navy in 2012 and has top-secret clearance, tried to send a package containing military documents and other files to an intelligence agency in a foreign country. Instead, they ended up in the hands of the FBI. Tebby left a package at a dead drop location in West Virginia containing an SD card. According to court documents, the SD card was wrapped in plastic and placed between two slices of bread on a 
half of a peanut butter sandwich. And during a separate drop, another SD card was hidden in a sealed Band-Aid wrapper with a Band-Aid inside a clear Ziploc bag. Tebby also included a letter to the unnamed country, apologizing for, quote, this poor translation into your language. FBI agents intercepted the packages and struck up a relationship with Tebby. The documents accuse his wife, Diana, of helping to conduct surveillance. They were trying to pass on restricted details about the nuclear propulsion systems of fast attack warships. That technology is closely watched by U.S. rivals like Russia and China. Tebby allegedly asked for $100,000 in cryptocurrency for payment. Residents in their Maryland neighborhood say Jonathan and Diana Tebby kept to themselves. Wow. <laughs> it's a, uh, no, it's pretty incredible. It's like uh, out of a movie, you know. It's a quiet neighborhood and um, everyone's very law abiding. <laughs> so it was a little surprising. The investigation is still underway. The couple is scheduled to appear in federal court tomorrow. That should be an interesting appearance. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Half a peanut butter Just sandwich. a half. Thank you, half Stephanie. SD card small. All yeah. right. It is now time, guys, for a check of the weather. And Al's not here. Dylan's out. But we are so lucky. <laughs> yes. Janice Huff yes. is here. She's our meteorologist at WNBC. Hey, girl, Hi. we missed you. I, I missed you guys. It's so great to see you all in person. <laughs> it's nice. Let's get to this weather because it's been really wild across the central portion of the country today. And last night, this video coming in from parts of Oklahoma around Shawnee and Norman, Oklahoma, just south of Oklahoma City, of uh, lightning, uh, tornadoes, gusty winds, damaging winds, and large hail across that region. They've seen up to 11 reports of tornadoes just last night uh, from the severe weather rolling through that part of the country that is now moving towards the east uh, tonight, today. Here's the low spinning up south of Topeka now, and we can see all of this spreading towards St. Louis at this time in the parts of Iowa, too. A look at what's happening. A one-two punch. This first storm that's over the pla uh, plains now moves towards Chicago tonight. And then there's another threat of tornadoes, severe weather from the second storm that moves out of the Rockies. That same storm is going to produce a big snow event, a major winter-type storm there. And then they get the severe weather over the central plains. So 23 million people at risk today uh, for damaging winds, large hail, tornadoes across the region. That's your latest weather. Back to you guys. All right. Janice, thank, you, thank Janice. you. Coming up, a dream delayed. 90-year-old William Shatner's historic trip to the edge of space put on hold at least for one more day, but still a lot of excitement at Blue Origin's launch site in Texas. NBC's Tom Costello wow. already there, live with the very latest. And Craig, you've got an exclusive interview. Two huge names in sports. Oh, yeah, when Bubba Wallace earned that first career win in the NASCAR Cup Series last week, he did it as a member of a high-powered team co-owned by Michael Jordan and fellow driver Danny Hamlin. We spent some time chatting with them over the weekend about that victory, their push to change the face of NASCAR, and much, much more. But first, this is today on NBC. Welcome back. 7.30. It's a Monday morning, October 11, 2021. If you're just getting your first cup of coffee, look at this. We've got a party going on on our plaza. International Day of the Girl, one of our favorite days of the year. We can't wait to get on the plaza. Big crowd, inspiring crowd. We're starting a celebration. You're looking at the 
people who are going to change the world out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but first, let's get to your 7:30 headlines. Facebook plans to introduce new safety features for kids, including one that prompts them to take a break from its photo sharing app, Instagram. Another feature will nudge them if they repeatedly look at potentially harmful content. It comes in the aftermath of damning testimony on Capitol Hill last week from a former Facebook employee who claims the platforms are damaging to children and that Facebook knows it. The company says it's also planning to introduce new controls so that parents can supervise what their teens are doing online. More than 80 ultra marathoners were rescued in northern Utah over the weekend after the area got hit with up to 18 inches of snow causing near whiteout conditions. It happened in the Wasatch Mountain Range north of Salt Lake. Search and rescue teams were called in and the 50-mile race was suspended. All the runners are accounted for. Several participants were treated for hypothermia and released right there at the scene. Turning to football now in a huge game on Sunday Night Football. The Bills and Chiefs in a rematch of last season's AFC Championship game. But this one had a different outcome. Or Josh down. Allen, fine now, finding Dawson Knox with a 53-yard touchdown. Buffalo, they went up by 14 just before halftime, and things did not get any better mm. for the Chiefs in the second half. The Bills won it easily, 38-20. to Buffalo now looking like the team to beat in the AFC. Josh Allen. Best wow. quarterback in football. Right? Yeah, How's, How's young Dell? It was okay. a good thing he was asleep last night. Yeah. So we won't show him the highlights this morning. <laughs> no, he's a Casey Mahomes fan. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're just two, d two days away from seeing the most famous Starfleet captain in history actually blast <laughs> off for real space for the first time. William Shatner, who starred as Captain Kirk in the original Star Trek, is lifting off in a Jeff Bezos Blue Origin ship now Wednesday. NBC's Tom Costello is in Texas for the historic launch. And Tom, we talked to William Shatner last week. We know he's pumped up. He's ready to go. Yeah, I talked to him just a few minutes ago. He also admits he's a bit nervous here. Now, this is, imagine how big of a deal this is. You're the world-famous Starfleet captain. You've jumped from galaxy to galaxy, but you've never been off the planet. So he and three others, two of whom paid a lot of money, were supposed to go tomorrow. That's now delayed until Wednesday because of high winds. This morning, William Shatner and the rest of his New Shepard crew are waiting one more day to reach their final frontier. High winds in West Texas have delayed the launch of the Jeff Bezos Blue Origin spaceship, originally scheduled for tomorrow, now slipping to Wednesday. But that hasn't dimmed the crew's excitement. Over the weekend, Shatner arriving at the astronaut village in West Texas. As one of the most storied commanders in the galaxy, it seems hard to believe that Captain James T. Kirk has actually never left planet Earth. On Wednesday, that changes. Max Q is confirmed. As he joins three other crew members for a quick trip to zero G. We talked to Shatner and his fellow space travelers earlier this morning. 75 mile per hour winds that are coming through West Texas. Uh, how does that make you feel about a rocket ride uh, to the edge of space? The 75 mile an hour winds uh, is uh, like overwhelming. Um, that's close to hurricane. I don't want to be uh, on, a, on a rocket, uh, on top of a rocket in 75 mile an hour winds, and neither does anybody else. So we have, they have uh, canceled the flight. It was supposed to go up tomorrow morning. It's now uh, scheduled to go up on Wednesday morning. And we've got our fingers crossed. The thing I really want to do is come back down. It was 55 years ago that Captain Kirk first appeared on America's TV screens, beaming across the galaxy. Command engine start. 
two, one. Now at 90, Shatner will become the oldest person ever to fly to space on what will be Blue Origin's second launch with crew members, alongside Blue Origin executive Audrey Powers and two other paying customers. I'm terrified. I'm Captain Kirk and I'm terrified going to space. As for applying his vast experience as captain of the Enterprise, warp drive, Mr. Scott. Shatner says not so much. Do you think there was a connection subconsciously with you know playing the role of Captain Kirk and I don't know getting you to this point? You know, I, I, I'm so sorry to disappoint you. No connection. But all that was fiction. <laughs> Unlike the Enterprise's five-year mission, this trip will last just 11 minutes with three minutes of weightlessness, but poignant nonetheless. I'm going to see the the vastness of space and the extraordinary miracle of our Earth and how fragile it is. All right, I admit it, I'm a bit of a Trekkie. I think it's kind of cool. And Shatner says there's, there's some poetry to this because 55 years ago, he was destitute in Los Angeles, couldn't get a job, looked up at the stars, and within a day or two, got called to be on Star Trek. So his life is coming mm -hmm. full circle now, 55 years later. Back yeah. to you guys. Now the stars are calling him. That's right. Pretty, Pretty cool, cool. Tom. Uh, we got to wait one more day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to bring you, by the way, live coverage of the Blue Origin launch on Wednesday. Can't wait. All right. Coming up next, he dominated the NBA. Now Michael Jordan having a big impact in NASCAR as co-owner of the team behind that historic win for Bubba Wallace. It's very rare, but it also get, it inspires me that you're making a difference in, 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 in a sport that, you know, no one really thought could even happen or occur. Just ahead, our exclusive conversation with Mr. Jordan and his partner in NASCAR, Denny Hamlin, on their drive to change the sport of racing right after this. We're back now, 7.40 with In-Depth Today and a Today exclusive. Yeah, when Bubba Wallace made history with his first NASCAR Cup Series victory last week, he had some pretty impressive support in his corner. <laughs> Basketball icon Michael Jordan and three-time Daytona 500 winner Denny Hamlin. And Craig, you got a chance to speak with them. Yeah, I spent the weekend with the two of them. Michael Jordan's goal is to make his number 23 iconic in NASCAR, as well as partnering with Denny Hamlin to launch 2311 Racing. It's driver rising star Bubba Wallace and we talk with him about Bubba's big win what NASCAR needs to change and of course a little basketball as well to see the emotion from Bubba tells you everything about how much work he's put into it you know how much effort and how much he wanted to win and I even dropped a tear because I know his passion Bubba Wallace now officially the winner at Talladega Oh, when Bubba Wallace made racing history this month, he did it in a number pretty familiar to sports fans. He's the first driver for 2311 Racing, owned by NBA legend Michael Jordan and racing superstar Denny Hamlin. Denny, you were there. Uh, you were there at Talladega. I understand you were in pit row. I actually started getting emotional when I saw the emotion that they had. I mean, you get more proud and happy for them than what you do for yourself. Wallace became just the second black driver to win a NASCAR race, the first since Wendell Scott in 1963, when Michael Jordan was just nine months old. What does it mean for, for Michael Jordan to win at this level as a black man in NASCAR? It's very rare, but it also get, it inspires me that you're making a difference in, 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 in a sport that, 
you know, no one really thought could even happen. I feel gratitude, but I feel energized too. Let's keep this thing rolling. Let's, let's have other Bubba Wallace's winning. Bubba Wallace goes to racetracks and he gets booed. Why do you think that is in, in 2021? This sport is needs to change and it has started the progress of changing, you know, and maybe people are not cheering for him, but he has to dig within himself. You're fighting from within, you know, to, to achieve something. And when you achieve it, it's far more gratifying than you can even imagine. And it's inspiring to people that, you know, really start to understand what the fight really is about. The challenge of entering a sport with little diversity and where the Confederate flag has been commonplace for decades was one Jordan was willing to take head on. When I dove to get involved in NASCAR, I knew I was diving into the teeth of racism. Knew it. Been there, experienced it, but I wasn't afraid of it. I was, I was looking forward to the challenge. Denny, I, I understand that you actually encouraged Bubba uh, to avoid social media at, at, at some point early on. Why? Well, I think my message was pretty simple to him is that the, you will not change a hater's mind. You need to go out there and get your motivation to want to make the people that support you proud. Jordan is determined to overcome challenges of inequality through his extensive charity work as well. In just the last two years, he's pledged more than $110 million of his own money and from his Jordan brand to black social charities and to build community health centers. What's driving Michael Jordan to give away so much of his money? Action speaks louder than words. You know, I can sit here and say a lot of different things, but my actions have been that I want to make a difference. We've got an NBA season that tips off uh, about a week from now, roughly. Um, the Hornets notwithstanding, who do we like this season? Well, it's hard to knock out Milwaukee. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you're a champion, someone's going to have to knock you off the, off the pedestal. You know, Brooklyn in the East, you got Miami's changed. You know, my old team, Chicago, made some big, big changes, you know, so they may compete in the East as well. Lakers are going to come back. The Clippers are going to come back. And whoever stays healthy, whoever can battle the, the COVID-19 issues that they may have in the course of the year, it's going to give that team the best chance. So, I mean, staying healthy is our biggest thing for us. we got to stay healthy. You mentioned staying healthy and, and the COVID vaccine. Um, are you at all concerned about the protocols? Not at all. Not not at all. I am total in, a, in unison with, with the league and uh, I think everybody, you know, has been speaking about the, you know, the vaccinations and, you know, I'm a firm believer in science, you know, and I'm going to stick with that. And, and hopefully everybody abides by whatever the league sets the rules. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, once everybody buys in, we're going to be fine. While today's teams are vying to start a new dynasty, the blockbuster docuseries The Last Dance still has fans comparing today's stars to Jordan's iconic Bulls. Were you surprised by the reaction to The Last Dance? Yeah. I always thought that people would not understand my passion for the game, my passion for winning. How do you think it changed the way that people viewed Michael Jordan? I think they saw my my desire to win uh, on a consistent basis, you know, and every time I stepped on the floor, I represented my family, you know, the Chicago Bulls, the NBA, because my desire was strong. You know, it's a couple years ago when I asked him about the last dance. They were finishing up the edits, yeah, and he said, he said, I, I think people are going to look at me as a jackass. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't think that people were going to fully understand what yeah, it took mm -hmm. to win at that level. So yeah. he was pleasantly surprised uh, by the last dance. At the beginning of the NASCAR season, he said to Bubba Wallace, we don't write checks for losers. Oh, that was God. the that was, well, classic MJ inspiration. <laughs> yeah.
It turns out it was kind of yeah. the inspiration Bubba needed. Yeah, yeah. he's wow. got that competitive instinct. And I'll check into whether we can say that on morning time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, I mean, it was a, it was a quote it, it from Jordan. It was a direct quote. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't exactly. paraphrase Yeah, yeah. Set, 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 now, Janice, keep it clean over there. <laughs> Janice. Clean always on the side of the wall. Yes. All right, so let's talk about the weather. We've got uh, winter weather out west. Yeah, the calendar says fall, but it's all winter. You're looking at a major snowstorm, the first one of the season. And it's a little early to talk about this much snow over the Rockies. Temperatures also are going to drop 20 to 30 degrees below average with strong winds and mountain snow above 6,000 feet. You're talking about maybe two feet of snow here. Uh, the front will shift out of the Rockies and then when it enters the plains tomorrow, more severe weather expected there. So look at the snowfall amounts here around Cody, Bozeman, parts of Wyoming. That's where they're looking at more than six inches of snow. Probably more likely they're going to see up to 14 inches on the ridgetops there and the snow goes all the way down into Utah. All right, so you've got winter out west with temperatures in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Meanwhile, it's summer in the east. Temperatures are in the 70s and 80s uh, for the next couple of days. A high of 36 in uh, Billings, 43 in Vail. Meanwhile, it's going to be 77 in Kansas City, 80s in the east uh, later this week. And now here's Savannah. All right, Janice, thank you. Thank you. Still ahead, a new twist in the investigation surrounding Prince Andrew. Why did British police drop their probe overnight? We'll have details in the live report from London. But first, these messages. Still ahead, our celebration of International Day of the Girl. We're going to hear from Malala Yousafzai and what's giving her hope in the fight for girls' education. Plus, Jenna's powerful conversation with another advocate, her mom, the former first lady. Coming up next, your 8 o'clock hour.